0: You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready?
1: So Kate, hi, Frank Cottle here. Welcome to the Future of Work podcast. It's really great to have you aboard.
0: Hey, Frank, great to be here.
1: Yeah, really glad you could join us today, and and we'd love to learn a little bit about global workplace analytics and some of the exciting things that you've been looking at as it relates to the future of work. I think you and and I share a lot of background in that regard, and I was looking at your and your partners' uh, uh, backgrounds and resumes and time, and I think between the three of us, we have a century of experience. You know, we've done things a very different way, in very different ways. Uh, you've been extremely consultative in your publications and your white papers and uh, all of your speaking uh, globally. Uh, we've been on the execution side of the facility and planning uh, stages of the side of the industry. So it'd be fun to see where we can come up together and what where we overlap. Could you tell us a little bit about global workplace analytics, how you came to form what is... Uh, <laughs> how you came to form that, and what's your motivation for uh, continuing this work?
0: Yeah. Uh, We started pushing this rock uphill about 15 years ago, (laughs) the remote work rock. Uh, I'm a former banker, and I came at this seeing that nobody had really made the C-suite business case for remote work. And yet when I was doing research for a, a book, that we wrote for John Wiley and Sons which was a consumer title we wanted to do a business title but they didn't think anybody would have an interest 15 years ago so it was called undressed for success the naked truth about making money at home but it was in doing that research that you know I saw all the people planet and profit elements to remote work and just thought wow this is a no-brainer but you know nobody was coming at it from the the bottom line or from the the C suite so we started putting together models to quantify the impacts and back them up by research so that you know we could go to a company and say look here's why you're going to increase productivity and here's the 10 companies that have done it and here's what it would mean to you in annual uh, savings So doing that with each of the people, planet, and profit arenas. So we've been doing that ever since then. We've moved also into different kinds of workplace strategy, wellness and well-being, stress, activity-based working, co-working, really still just looking at what does it do for people and what's the bottom line impact.
1: Uh, You know, I saw your telework savings calculator that you did for workplace analytics. I know that people on the business center side Going all the way back to the 80s and 90s, we're using a similar type calculator to justify cost savings of being in a business center versus being in conventional space. We always found that quite efficient and effective. But one of the things that we failed to put in our calculator, we were doing pure space and business calculation, is that you've added uh, increased voluntary turnover, absenteeism, Things of that nature, something that neither of us really hit uh, on uh, in the systemic calculations that uh, we usually use for real estate savings. One of the things that I see uh, for savings uh, that uh, you you didn't put in was relating to the balance sheet, but you you used only the cash savings, which is what we did as well. The balance sheet uh, side uh, is really probably where the largest savings ultimately is as we reduce workspace and improve uh, efficiency. So tying these things together, uh, I think we could really come up with a, an improved uh, approach uh, by adding this additional contribution. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. In, in some ways, you know, you've been coming at it from a real estate point of view. We've been coming at it from a people point of view. Uh, although most of my clients get started in this because there was some real estate reason, typically uh, saving money uh, or maybe moving space. So I think you're very well positioned in this. I could say the same thing about the people side. People aren't hired to just offset their salary. You're supposed to make more than that, or the, there's no nothing in it for the company. So in the financial services industry, for example, it's... the factor is about six times. So somebody making $100,000 a year should be earning for the company 600000 a year. And of course, only some of that drops down to profit. But the reason I don't include that in the model is because it's so compelling on its own and, and almost unbelievable that I, I really have to, I just keep it conservative. Well,
1: I think if you do make those giant claims, you can start to look like the proverbial snake oil salesperson. Exactly. But one of the things I think right now, in our current circumstances with the coronavirus and all of the changes that we've gone through, is that the CFO of every major corporation in the world has just got to be wandering through their empty corporate headquarters right now with a mask on, of course. And looking at all those desks and all the space and all the stuff, and they're saying there's nobody here.
0: Yeah,
1: nightmares. the company's running great. We just don't need this stuff to run our company. Well, we need some of this stuff, of course. But I think that so many large companies have been trying to make perfect the enemy of good by attempting to come up with just the right change management structure to finally do flexible working in order to win the war uh, for talent and in order to adjust their balance sheets. And now I think they're going to look at what's happened, look at the good old days and say, well, the good old days need to be tomorrow, not yesterday. We're going to change radically. And I think that we'll repurpose and restructure so many things. We talked about the workplace, but what will it do to public transportation? What will it do to the way cities are formed? And what will it do to housing? Because office space is being repurposed <laughs> and all of these things have just trickled down, uh, all major activities, all major impacts that are going to come out of this. I see in France yesterday, the French government just offered a $50 per cyclist uh, uh, contribution at about 3,000 bike shops where you could take your bike and get it tuned, so that you could stay off, pub- off of public transportation. Um, whether that's a great initiative or not, all sorts of little initi- initiatives like that uh, around change are definitely going to happen. Where do you think the biggest ones will happen?
0: Yeah, I'm starting to think that maybe you and I were twins separated at birth. <laughs> because we are I mean, I, I've literally written many of those words just in the last 24 hours. Um, I think one of the big thing that's gonna come out of this is that remote work has always been, not always, but, but for the most part, kind of a tactical solution to the problem du jour. Therefore, it always came out of a silo. Real estate in, in, in the, uh, at the time of the recession uh, was driving it, HR driving it when uh, there are talent shortages, sustainability driving it, not necessarily in the U.S., but in other countries. And I think the recession started to do this, but I think this is going to loft the conversation to the C-suite so that remote work, flexible work, is going to be a, a strategy versus a tactic. And that means that all of these parts of the organization that were formerly siloed are going to be working together to make it happen. And that's where the optimization happens. I mean if HR is doing it and they're not talking to real estate, then you've got all these empty spaces that real estate, you know, doesn't even know the strategy is in place. Now, as you say, I mean they're looking at the CEOs or, or laying awake at night thinking about all that empty space and saying, "Geez, you know we're we're still continuing. Gosh, do we do we need all that? And the polling that we've been doing uh, shows that 80% of the people of the workforce is working from home now. About more than half of them, this is new. They haven't done it before, and 77% want to do it in the future. And the average is around two to three days a week. Now, they've always, I mean, employees have always, not always wanted this, but for a very long time, this has been one of the top benefits, being able to work flexibly. But I think if you add on top of that, managers now who've had an experience with it and are not as afraid of it as they were before, the school suite who's going to be all over it because of the cost savings, especially as we go into an economic downturn, and the risk manager saying, no, this can't happen again. We've got to, we can't have a centralized workforce. And then I think sustainability. I mean, you look at when in three or four weeks, you can see a difference in the air, in the greenhouse gases. That's going to make a lasting impression.
1: Well, I, th- I think it will. We'll get a, a whole variety of pressures, if you will, for this type of change. Um, uh, hopefully the pendulum won't swing too far in, in one, or one direction or the other and, 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 and remain someplace in the sensible middle in, in that regard. But you know, it, there's about 1.8 billion people today that work, uh, that are um, that work mobily, and it, it's different. We use a lot of different words. Um, you use people, place, and profit, and we use people, place, and technology. Uh, 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 you've been using yours for a decade. I've been using ours for a decade or two, uh, and and. But so there's a lot of different words we use. A mobile workforce is a remote workforce and vice versa, because remote work doesn't just mean working out of your home. I think what we'll find is a lot of people that are working out of their home uh, say, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get back to the office uh, because their home isn't really a suitable place for work. Um Uh, Distractions, kids, neighbors, dogs, noise, uh, not a good ergonomic environment, uh, et cetera. And as I go back to the old telecommuting days of the 90s and uh, early 2000s, you know, uh, a lot of employers that forced their people into a telecommuting model uh, because they had to because of the Clean Air Act and the things around that. Many of those employees came back and said, hey, that's terrific, no problem. Um, what, how much rent are you going to pay me for the bedroom I'm, I, I'm now using instead of your office? Uh, we, you run into all sorts of issues, safe workplace uh, uh, issues, uh, uh, kids getting in the back of a computer or the back of a copy machine and getting electric. You know, all sorts of things that happen in houses that don't happen in workplaces.
0: Um, so, yeah, you're losing me there. <laughs> okay, let, let get the, let's get the, the gloves on here. <laughs>
1: okay, good, good, good.
0: <laughs> but, but I, I think it is a blend. Yes, yeah, I, think I would had, agree with It's a blend. Uh, People uh, love to make this polar. You know, we're either going to have everybody working in offices or everybody working in co- co-working spaces or everybody working at home. And that's just not how it is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a fluid. You know, one of the things that we've seen over the last five years is that work has become a fluid Kind of thing, it, you know. It's a verb, not a noun.
1: Yep, we say officing instead of office.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, I don't care what you call it, whether you call it remote work or mobile work. If you're ten floors, ten miles, or ten time zones away, you're still probably working with other people remotely. So yeah. let's 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 go back to work, and when we you know, and get all that figured out. How do we make people as productive as they can possibly be with technology, with the provision of space? With the tools that they need to be successful,
1: wherever they well, we are. Well, I, no, I think that's an issue. You know, one of the complaints that I hear of about people that are shifting into mobile work, flexible work, remote work um, is the shift in technology and the onboarding process for that technology. Many companies aren't really set up for. Uh, the people are used to sitting in a desk. And in that desk is a desktop or a desk-oriented computer system, not a laptop-oriented computer system. They don't have the mobility with it. Um, And then a lot of companies also have uh, very strong uh, security issues that you can't get in uh, the household environment sometimes just because of the way your bandwidth is set up. So there's going to have to be a lot of shifts around that, those sorts of things to help the, the great majority of people, or to maximize, I guess, the effect of that strategic impact versus the tactical. We've used those same two words too, so I guess we are at least we're cousins.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we've we've been saying the same thing for for decades that uh,
0: you're much older than I am.
1: I know it. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm immortal, so it doesn't matter.
0: But you know, I think that plays in here too, Frank. I you know, I am I am so unproductive on a laptop. I, I have three screens in my office mm-hmm. and I need all, all three screens and have tried to figure out how to attach a fourth one. But, well, you know, yeah. yet I see my kids and my grandkids operate just fine on their phone or their laptop. It, you know, I think there is a difference in how people are working. Um, that, well,
1: there is, you're, you're probably doing a lot of writing, a lot of uh, consultative structuring, uh, editing, things of that nature. I, I, I work off of a laptop, but I have two screens in my home, at my home office. So when I'm traveling or doing this and that, I'm happy with my laptop. But when I, when I am not, then I want my, my other screens for just the same thing. I, I, plus, my eyesight isn't so great, so I like the big screen for that reason. Um, uh, but you can, you can do that, but you have to have a place that's dedicated for that. And if we look at a younger workforce, uh, Gen Z coming up, um, how many Gen Z people or even younger millennials right now um, have a suitable workplace at home that's not the kitchen table?
0: Well, I think right now, these are certainly not normal conditions with everybody scrambling for bandwidth and and, uh, dining room table space. So it it was interesting. We just uh, did a survey of 2,500 global employees Asking them how much they were interrupted at home versus how much they were interrupted at the office. Mm-hmm. And we found that it was, we were very surprised to find uh, double the amount of time at the office. So 75 yeah. minutes a day at the office, 30 something minutes a day at home. I and mean, even now, even given the situation now. And what we also find is, you know, there's this collaborative time and private time. And the survey also showed that. For private time, for for concentrative work, they were more productive at home. For collaborative work, they were about the same productivity, whether they were at the office or at home. And I think that productivity at home or at at a third place, at a a co-working center or a shared office, I think that that's going to only improve as time goes by. We've already seen innovation coming out of Silicon Valley just in these past four weeks. Oh boy, now I can put Hawaii behind me when I'm when I'm doing a zoom call. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see more innovation that makes that kind of interaction richer. It has to
1: that's ab- absolutely right. Uh, we're definitely going to see that. and um uh, I, I come back to that traveler concept that there are no occupiers, there are only travelers, but we don't uh, we move from space to space on a fluid basis now, um, and whatever. The only singular requirement we have in order to have that mobility is bandwidth. Um, the instrument itself can be adjusted very easily. I can travel for a week just with my telephone. I can travel for a week with my laptop, or I can have, you know, sit for a week in my office with my full setup. Um, so I, I think that it, the, really the the, the the demand curve is going to be around bandwidth. Uh, and uh, the ability to go in that regard. The, the other thing that's, that's interesting, and we're on Zencaster instead of Zoom right now. If we were on Zoom, we'd all be on video.
0: Um, and and the video would probably be jerky because the bandwidth is so poor. Uh, well, to- right
1: now it's, it's certainly getting stressed. Um, but uh, still, uh, five years ago, people used video systems and we would, use voice and screen sharing only people were kind of uncomfortable going on video. The cameras weren't that good and the backgrounds weren't that good, et cetera. Today. I don't think anybody's uncomfortable going on video and it adds a whole nother dimension to all meetings. Um, in fact, we just had a TGI Friday meeting for our own company last week and everybody was showing off their different backgrounds. That was sort of a little contest to the crazy, crazy background contest. Um, so, it once you're used to the medium, um, I know my first video system we put in in 1984. Um, it was ridiculously expensive back then, but uh, still it worked. Um, and uh, so once we get used to these new structures, and we're looking at holographic meeting structures and, and things of that nature right now, and we're looking at virtual reality offices, uh, you said, What do we think we'll be doing in the next? Cycle, I think we'll be selling offices as software as opposed to physical offices.
0: Um, yeah, that's something that they haven't really, you know, the technology just isn't there yet. We close. need an
1: easy way. It's very, to... very close. Uh, we're working with a couple of the large gaming companies right now um, in looking at how to create realistic environments. Uh, And if there's anybody that's good at the rendering, it's not the business people, it's the gaming
0: people. Yeah, some of the avatars, and I've been following some of those kinds of uh, applications for years. I guess what I mean is in terms of the um, organization of work, I shouldn't have to jump to this program to collaborate and this program to communicate and this program to put where to put my documents. And, you know, I know that all the pieces are there and Microsoft has a solution, Adobe and Google and, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. their solution Slack, but it's, it's just not seamless yet. And I think that's another thing that we're going to see coming out of uh, this is, is more innovation around making it easy, making it seamless.
1: Well, but don't you think as long as there is innovation, um, that uh, technology will al- always be somewhat generational? And so seamlessness will always be the constant goal, but will never quite be achieved because so- one company is going to be ahead and another company is going to be behind. Uh,
0: I don't know. You know because we all know how to use the microwave now. I, I wouldn't say the same thing for the uh, TV remote, but <laughs> <laughs> there is a learning curve. I, 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 it just seems to me that it should be so simple that it's, it, it's, you don't have to learn it. It's just intuitive. You know, I may be talking five years out. I was talking to a venture capitalist last week about all of this and you know, what is it that the market needs? What What kinds of things should we be looking at? And I think that, you know, that's one of them is just making it easier. And using less bandwidth, you know, we we don't need to be on Zoom all day. There's a time for it, place for it, and you know, I think everybody's kind of gone overboard at this point. I know, spoofing for myself as an introvert, I'm so Zoom exhausted. <laughs> but you know, it's it's just because we're you know we're, we're we're sheltering in place, and you know, for a whole variety of reasons. I think trust is still a fundamental problem. Uh, that the Washington Post had an article yesterday about all the. Software that's now being used to virtually babysit people in case you think they aren't working. Yeah. I really hope we get used to managing by results before technology does it in a way that allows us to virtually babysit.
1: Well, I think that you know, government in particular always wants to virtually babysit. I mean, we have drones flying up and down streets telling people to get into their houses and, and things of like that, rather than saying, hey, you're a responsible adult, figure it out. Um, so there's, there's always going to be some of that going on. Yeah. I, well, you know, it's funny. We, we've noticed something in our own company, uh, in the Alliance original company. Um, everybody went home. To work. We were prepared for it because mm-hmm. we've been watching things in Asia evolve. And we thought, well, this is gonna hit here. We, we need to do it now. So we 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 reacted early, uh, basically because we do business globally, and so we we felt the title, we felt the wave early. Uh, uh, and so everybody moved their house, got everything set up, no problems with the technology whatsoever. Uh uh, everything is working very smoothly, and we found that people, and this begs your issue around interruptions and things of that nature, everybody's productivity individually improved. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, It it improved, and I think it was part of um, what I'm amazed at, honestly, is the capacity to stay, for the team to stay so focused on their work product without supervision,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: without anything, and doing just an amazing job, and you couldn't be more proud of them. Yeah. Um, everybody is.
0: I think um, the micromanagers of the world are, are noticing that, and it's one of the reasons I say that you know, I think the fact that one of the biggest determinants of whether a manager supports remote work is whether they've done it themselves. And yeah. now that they've done it, they've seen that, wow, this can work, my people are working, I can tell that they're working. You know, we've still got to go back and and organize and and teach people how to manage by results in some cases. But I think, you know, this is this is going to be a good lesson.
1: No, it it absolutely will be. Okay, if if you were to kind of leave all of us with one super high level, amazing comment that summed up everything that you think is going to happen here and, and, and why. Sort of an advisory comment for the listeners here. What would it be?
0: Wow, put me on the spot there.
1: I know it. I know it. I got you with that one.
0: <laughs> I think the future is all about change and agility. And to the extent that companies can make themselves more agile in their places, in their people, in their processes, that they'll be better able to handle whatever comes.
1: I would absolutely agree with that. But I would, I would follow up with a, a question how do companies make themselves more agile in order to achieve that goal
0: yeah it's 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 cultural it's why there is so much change management around this if if you're from a command and control organization that's counting heads and watching the clock to see who gets in early and who leaves late and that kind of thing it's going to be a much harder road to get to that place of agility but I think we're all going to be very motivated, uh, in particular the C-suite, to get there and to understand why we need to. You know, if, if for, everything, for every th- person that you want to convince of something, you've got to show them what's in it for them. And for those that are resistors, I think we've, they've had now a pretty big demonstration of what's in it for them, or what's in, what's in it if they don't become more agile. You know, the,
1: the, the old saying used to be, it's, it's the big that beat the small. And I think today it's the fast, the beat, the slow. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, the race to agility, whoever wins that race will have demonstrated their success through their culture and they will be the leaders in tomorrow's business.
0: Yeah. I think you're in a good spot right now, Frank. I mean, people are going, companies are going to be see, seeing the need to shed space. It's going to take time. They can yeah. just drop their leases overnight. But I really think that we are going to see a whole lot less downtown, fixed office space, everybody working in the same place. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's it's funny. I was going to summarize and come up with, we were going to be done there, but I want to make go back to the comment that I don't think the problem will be with the people going back to their offices. I think in a lot of cities, and I'll use New York, London as a good example, it's going to be the reluctance of people to get to their
0: office
1: with transportation, yeah. you know, I, you can you can separate office space pretty easily. If you, you, you think of it, if you use a six foot standard, well, that's everybody at a 72 inch workstation. And that's bigger than normal. But not that much bigger. If you if you went to a you know a a standard like that, you can do you can also do it with shifts. Mm -hmm. You can you can bring people in an hour early, hour late. That that sort of thing. But getting on the subway or getting on the train from Connecticut, getting in the tube in in London, that's impossible. The the numbers I've I've read say that the tube will only in proper physical distancing but we call it physical distancing, not social distancing, because we think we're still social. Hmm. Um, in proper physical distancing, the, the metro or the tube in, 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 in London will only operate at 15% capacity. Yeah. So how are the people going to get to work? Exactly. I think that's the big issue. Via
0: the, via the information highway versus the traditional highway. Exactly.
1: Exactly. That's, that will, will mean that they, they will work closer to their home. Uh, whether it's in their home or not, that they'll work closer to their home unless in the corporate corporate headquarters. So I think that's the big takeaway. That corporate headquarters are going to shrink. Uh, remote work, whether it's in a facility or a household or whether it's in a travel environment, is going to increase. Bandwidth is absolutely the requirement to make that happen, mm-hmm. and culture is going to drive it. Yep, absolutely. Well, Kate, okay, thank you so much for joining us. I'd love to follow up on, on a few things with you uh, outside of this conversation. And uh, we we'll look forward to seeing uh, how global workplace analytics can continue leading the, uh, the way into the future of work.
0: Thanks, Frank. It was great to meet you. Great conversation. Thank you. Take care. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?